Hello, podcast family. My name is Duncan Masua, and welcome to the Mentor Farmer series of the Farmers Inside Track podcast. And here we learn from big commercial farmers, draw inspiration from them, and hear what it takes to get to their level. Now, in this episode, we meet Jean Lacanya, a visionary in agriculture. Now, this ex-UN peacekeeper became the mastermind behind Madimbo Agri Group in South Africa. Jean's story is about wise investment and reaping what he sows. Starting with bananas and butternuts, as he waited for his macadamia orchid to blossom, he's cultivated an orchid featuring trees of various ages and cultivars. He's not just growing trees, he's cultivating success and sustainable farming. Join the league of forward thinkers and visionaries like Jean and let your farm be your canvas for innovation and growth. Gene, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. Yeah, thank you, Duncan. Now, I said, you know, it's a decision that you haven't regretted. Was it a lie or <laughs> is that about accurate? Oh, Duncan, you challenged me early. <laughs> you know, I do want to say that there is no business that is easy. And as the wise say that if it was easy, then we would all be doing it. Your story is well documented. You type in your name in Google and there's various articles and interviews that pop up with regards to your business and, and how you came into the sector. But maybe just take us through that journey. How long have you been involved in macadamia nut farm and what exactly inspired you to go into this commodity? What inspired me actually was my uncle 20 years plus back, you know, how he made a decision to leave the private sector and start a small holding macadamia farm. By then, macadamia was not known at all. The villagers thought he was crazy and he'd lost his marbles. And I think I get thrilled by the unknown. So I think for me, it was really something nobody was doing, especially black farmers, traditionally known for cabbage, tomatoes. You know, I kept on asking myself, what was he seeing or what was he doing? And and by virtue of that, that's really what wanted me to know more and really get into the nitty gritty of cultivating macadamias. And, you know, that's really how it all started through somebody else's vision, which I just turned that into something way bigger. We'll get into the nitty gritties of, you know, how you started. Maybe just give us a brief overview of the business. I know there's a couple of different elements to Madimbo Farming Group. Just take us to your portfolio. As in any business, over time, you get to grow, you get to diversify. Initially, our business, Madimbo Max, focused, well-disciplined in the macadamia production. And, you know, we always find the gaps in the market that you leave behind. It's, you know, some things you have to see them happening in order for you to understand whether there's a gap or not. You know, since macadamia, we since that 17 years back we started, we've since diversified our business into plant hire machinery and equipment, meaning that we're able to do land preparations, quality land preparations for ourselves and other farmers. We've since diversified into consulting. So for a fee, we're able to offer mentorship and consulting, business planning, irrigation designing. We do all of the kind of stuff for farmers. We've got a nursery business that deals with plant production or seedling production. You know, we've since diversified into avocados and bananas. So these are all the different kind of businesses we've since moved into. But, you know, it was never intended, but gradually over 17 years, it's a puzzle that tends to fit and, you know, you have to see the gaps continuously into what is happening in the agri-space 
And purely by experience, we've able to turn our business into a turnkey agribusiness into what is leading next. We're currently, as we're speaking in our operations, building our own processing factory, which I always hear there's always noise about processing, processing, processing. But that's a 17-year vision that I've been carrying to process my own crop, to process crop for other farmers within the areas, but I'm also understanding how long it takes. So that is the last bit, the last leg of the business we're introducing into the macadamia space. We'll be handling the exporting of the macadamia nuts. Wow, man. I can only imagine. It must warm your heart to see how far you've come since, you know, your first endeavor into the agricultural sector and starting with macadamia and looking at all these branches that you've gone into. I can't believe this is where we are, but then I also believe that, you know, as farmer, you know, nothing came my way for free. I've paid the school fees plenty and plenty of times. Things happen. It's just naturally how things just progress. It's just a matter of time and patience. And I speak continuously to farmers day in, day out and big visions, small visions. I want to start the thousand hectares and, you know, always try to coach people that listen, just start small and grow gradually over time. You know, there's people that always come to you and listen, I've got X amount of a million rand. I want to do 500 hectare macadamias. And that's the worst advice you can ever give somebody to plow all that money into that farm because they're going to lose it all because they haven't learned how to crawl and start walking and start running and start sprinting. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. I think that's really the teachings, you know, trying to put out there. And I mean, you yourself, you had a couple of expensive lessons to learn in the beginning when you started. And of course, we'll get to that in a few minutes. You talked about, you know, starting small and having paid your school fees. How did you initially fund your farming business to get it off the ground? Maybe take us through that. I was fortunate in my younger days, I think when I was still 17, my first work, my first job was a military practitioner and my first paycheck was 1,700. I remember back in those days, but you know, I was fortunate to get a gap and we did some peacekeeping work. And I saved up some money then, and with that money coming back to South Africa, I really did not know much what to do with it. And there was an opportunity to buy two and a half hectares of land and bought that land. And again, when you speak of school fees, you know, you buy land and you always forget, listen, how am I going to work the land? I think that's another important <laughs> thing. You've got the land, how do you work? You no, know, we didn't have a clue. And where do you get the budget to debush? Where do you get the budget to balance your soils? your soil samples, things that we know today, that practice never existed that time. I'm not saying it never existed. I just never knew about it. You know, so that's really the expensive lesson, the school fees that we paid that, you know, you buy land, you think I've got land all of a sudden, I can start working. You know, you don't have a clue how you're going to get the water out of the river, permits you need to apply for, your irrigation systems, all of that kind of stuff. It had to come in bits and pieces. And I just think it was really all about poor planning or I didn't know how to do it. I know better these days, Duncan. With you knowing better, we hope that, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, that they will be able to be inspired and hopefully grow from here. Maybe take us to what were some of the main startup costs involved in establishing your farm and, and how did you manage that? As I say, there's always many ways to skin a cat. For example, the first 15 hectares of macadamias that we own in Chakuma, that was really what they call, you know, hand-to-mouth kind of production. You know, whatever you have, you buy 50 trees. The next day you've got a bit of money, you buy 10 more drip lines, whatever you have, you buy a filter. And and eventually you put something together. 
that was when we started. But, you know, in today's time, if you're looking at, I mean, the kind of developments we're doing now, first things first, Duncan, everything starts with a plan, business plan. Before even plowing, understand the numbers, Duncan. You don't just plant macadamias, understand what the macadamia is going to do for you. You know, we don't farm for charity. We farm to be in business and to earn incomes and feed our families and grow and live better and quality lives. That's why we farm. So there's really a big lesson, uh, you know, I try to impart in farmers that farming is not a hobby. We're doing it for economies of scale. Um, and, and, you know, so I think the critical part, Duncan, before even getting the setup done is really just understanding business plan, have your numbers crossed. I mean, I would even advise farmers that, you know what, rather, I'd rather pay for advice, Duncan. I'd rather pay for somebody to assist me put together a business plan and with the right experience, put the, together the right cash flow. Understand my month to month, understand the late labor utilization on my farm, understand my monthly budget, understand where all of that stuff is going to. And once you understand the back end side of things, then you can start implementing. And what I mean implementing, Duncan, is it all the way from your land preparations. You know, what equipment are you using? Is it the right equipment? Do you have proof that the equipment you're hiring is going to work for you and do the job for you? We come across situations, I think especially when we call breaking the ground, because that's the most exciting part when you're starting a farming operation and those machines are doing work on your farm. And we've had a situation where a certain farmer requested our services on the yellow machines and that customer decided that we were too expensive or he was paying too much money. And he said, listen, I've got the money to buy my own equipment. Why don't I just buy my own bulldozer? We're talking about a 5 million rand plus piece of equipment. Yeah. And the civic customer went and bought a bulldozer, but you bought the wrong one. <laughs> you know, nice. they, they bought mining spec bulldozer with a one-way blade. In agriculture, as we do the work, as we build the ridges, as we build the contours, as we build the waterways, we need to manipulate the soil through what they call a six-way blade. It's architecture. It's like building a house. It's like building a farm. Those are some of those typical mistakes that the farmers are making. So initially, that's the big cost, the land preparation. And I always suggest, you know, land preparation, it's a critical step. That is where you, you make it or you break it because, you know, you try and take shortcuts. Duncan, you dig a hole. You think you're going to put the tree in there, give it water. It doesn't work like the Duncan. That ground has to be so well prepared, it has to set up the tree for success and in record time, meaning that you want to get the tree in production as quick as possible because that's the quickest way you start getting money in the bank. You know, so land preparation for me is critical. And of course, by then you would have made your tree orders. Tree orders are critical, Duncan. Understand where you're farming, what the dynamics are, what water you have, what the climates are, um, you know, what works for KZN does not necessarily work from Pumalanga nor Limpopo. So all of those characteristics make a difference and you have to consult, Duncan. You have to consult with experienced farmers. What are their experiences? You know, you can't be committing to a tree that produces a certain nut and that nut is not very favorable in the market. The market for that specific nut is shrinking or this overproduction. You can plant a tree that you have to live with for the next 40 years because you made a wrong choice in day one. So I think that's what I'm trying to emphasize that planning, consulting is critical in our business before even implementing. 90% of our work, Duncan, is planning and planning and consulting. The 10% 
is really just the implementation maintenance all the way right through on the orchards over time. And I'd say the third one, Duncan, irrigation is critical. Those trees need a certain amount of water at a certain time and understand the characters of your environment you're farming in, when you can irrigate, when you can't irrigate. And all of those things, Duncan, they come with time, they come with experience, and we've made all the mistakes in the book compared to what we're doing things today. And I mean, I suppose that's where a lot of farmers make the mistake in not doing the planning and consultation that you talk about. It's not the same as, you know, jumping into a spinach production and being able to harvest in the next few weeks. It's macadamia nuts that takes a few years actually for you to eventually generate revenue from that, correct? Absolutely, Duncan. You know, 12 years to break even is no child's play. It's heavy investment you put in. And given the long-term commitment you're making, I personally want to make sure that, you know, I've done all my homework to the best of my possibilities, Duncan. You can imagine walking to your farm and telling you you've planted the wrong cultivar when you speak to harvest nicely and somebody tells you, well, I mean, the market is bad for whatever you planted or it's just not going to work. You know, you've paid five years of work, development, labor, electricity, input, output, everything you've put in there just to learn that, you know what, your line is not a very attractive line to where the markets are going for the next 15, 20 years. I don't think you'll take that comment with a big smile in your face. Was that perhaps a mistake that you made? Not necessarily, Duncan. I'd say that it's things that we've seen farmers doing. It's still happening until today. Our farmers, in certain instances, are given free trees even by government. And nothing is for free, Duncan. Absolutely, Duncan. I mean, as farmers, I need to understand why are you giving me something? Government can't just drop a truckload of fertilizer on my farm because Gina's a farmer. I need specific fertilizer for the farm. I need a specific mix dependent on what my soil samples are talking about. And the results thereof give me interpretation that leads me to go to a fertilizer company and buy what the tree needs, not something generic that is the current you know, practice. Typically, those free trees, Beaumont 695 cultivars, you know, if you're not educated enough, somebody will just give you 5,000 trees. Well, I've got 15 hectares. And, you know, if you read between the lines, everybody's writing about it. It's open communication to say, listen, this market for this crop, the ingredient market is shrinking and shrinking by the day. So it's not a good cultivar actually to be planting on the ground purely because of the market is not expanding and you want to plant that tree today while the other farmers that have got the information are busy uprooting the older trees of the same cultivar and planting more new vibrant cultivars that produce a certain speck or certain style of a nut because they are aware of where the market is going. You know, so that's typically the kind of stuff. That's what I meant when I said that nothing is for free. And I suppose that highlights the importance of consultation. Because if we don't consult, you won't have access to that kind of information that you're sharing with me now. Let's quickly talk about the typical growing season for macadamia nuts in your region specifically. And maybe you can also yes. just briefly touch on other regions. Because you mentioned farming macadamia in KZN is not the same as farming macadamia in Limpopo. So typically, we're planting trees December, January, Feb, March, during the rains up in the Vembe growing regions. And that's because we're so dependent on, on the rainfall to do that. You know, our nuts at that time during November, 
you know, during October, November, we start getting fruit set. And around late Feb, you know, the early cultivars start getting ready to be harvested. And the late cultivars come in around April, May, June. That's typically the harvest seasons and the marketing times are any time between March and September from your early to your late cultivar. So that's really the six to eight months of processing and marketing of the crop. That's really the season. KZN is something similar. The Western Cape, we are in slightly opposites because of our rainy season is in the opposite side. So that's exactly the opposite of the initial statement that I'm, that I'm made from a harvesting and a marketing sales point of view. How do you manage the day-to-day operating expenses of your farm? Agriculture is not an, it's an expensive um, sector to operate in, especially macadamia. How do you manage the day-to-day expenses, you know, such as seeds and equipment and even labor? From a small to medium scale farmer, that is always a big challenge. I think cash flow is always a big challenge because understanding the macadamias, you know, you probably won't see that money for a long time. Payment terms with the factories are not as easy as they were pre-COVID times. So a lot of, a lot of dynamics um, have hampered or impacted cash flow to any farmer, be it commercial, medium, and small. Those dynamics have since changed. You know, Madimbo, as mentioned earlier, that through the diversification of operations, you know, we've managed to slightly calm the noise, especially from a cash flow point of view, because, you know, when you're stranded, um, you know, for, for capital or cash to operate, we can rely on the bananas because, you know, that's a day-to-day cash business. The plant hire, the equipment, we rent, we hire machines out um, to other farmers. Our nursery, we've got orders as far as the Western Cape that brings in the money. You know, the consultation business that also is able to bring in speculative money as and when sometimes you've got fixed contracts with clients that commit on a month-to-month basis. So what I'm trying to say, Duncan, is that as farmer, you know, we don't have the luxury to sit and watch. If you've got the money, then you might be blessed. But then given our situation and the size of our business, I myself as entrepreneur, this is what they call share of wallet in any farming development. I also need to fight for my share of wallet from the farmer, from be it from a consultation of business planning, plant hire, sell you the seed, market the crop one day for you, you know. That's really the vision. Are we lining that vision, you know, as a total rounded, unique business? And maybe one day we'll get involved in the fertilizer and chemical side of the business because you always want to grab what you can, you know, just to make sure that we keep our own boats afloat because we're not a small business either. So it's quite demanding from a cash flow point of view on a day to day, month to month basis. I suppose the lesson here is diversification critical, Duncan, but it comes with time. With caution, it comes with time. You know, you can't just set up what Madimbo has overnight, even if you have all the money in the world. It doesn't work for that. It comes with the right people as well. I'm nobody without my management, without my own mentors, without my own support, with my own, without my environment. So all these things actually package what I am today. So I might, you know, I might, it might be nice sitting in an office doing an interview with you, but, you know, I've got, I've got trusted backup with extremely skilled people that have got a lot of knowledge beyond myself, actually, from a farming point of view. You know, and that's really the secret. I'm a business person. I set the vision. I set the tone for the business. And I bring the people along in my business. You know, it's not my business to know what a fertilizer does or what the compound is. You know, I've got a lot of my on my plate. 
but if I've got the right people that understand, you know, growing a macadamia tree, growing the best nut in the world, growing the best avo, how to take care of the avo, how to take care of those bananas, you know, that's the kind of skill. My job is to invest in those people and equip them so much that they actually, they need me, but, you know, I don't necessarily have to be on those farms to make sure that our operations are running and bringing in money because of the right people in place. Dean, I cannot imagine that your journey without any challenges. Have you ever found yourself wondering at night, what was I thinking? Duncan, you know, certain certain activities in life, they mold a person. I believe that each step in life molds a person. There's a reason, there's a purpose for everything that we do in life. My big advantage really was my days in the army taught me a lot of discipline. I'm no crybaby, so I take it every single day like a man. I foul. It is what it is. And that's really the slogan that you get beat down one day, you know, catch a breath, get back at it. You know, the secret is just don't give up. So I don't give up easily. You know, we get up to a lot of crazy things and we failed so many times, Duncan. It's not funny. We've tried everything. We've lost millions and millions in this business, but we've simply never given up. And I guess it just gets driven by passion. And if you've got the passion burning over something and your vision is so big and you've got the people supporting you in what you're doing, then, you know, you just patch up the wound and, and, and you replant again if you failed. That's really the picture of our business. Paint us a picture, Gene, you know, you're talking about having lost millions. What happened yeah. and how did you overcome those challenges? the most beautiful cabbage we've grown on one of our properties. And we ambitiously embarked on 60,000 head cabbage production. That was big. Full agronomy, full everything, 11, 10 kg cabbages, beautiful. And we had all the plants, you know, the buckies would be flooding in, the trucks would be flooding in, would be sleeping at 12 in the morning, we put up the spotlights on the farm. Now we were all set. When we went into the market, it was flooded. There was cabbage left, right, and center in Bender. So it was just a repeat. So my advice that I got, which was wrong, that advice ended up in many other people's farms. And a lot of people planted cabbage. Memory serves me, we were looking at around 15, 16 rand per cabbage. And at some points, we'd even sell the stuff for three rand. As further, when the stuff started getting matured, we start selling them for the pig owners because they would grab those cabbages for one rand. So that was a massive loss. You know, you, you tried the Joburg market, the cost of transport, I mean, that's 32 grand from in and out from vendor with a outliner. And you get to the market, you know, you pray to God, you get six rand. So it was not even worth it. You just managed to cover transport, but nothing back on the farm. That was one painful lesson that we learned. In 2020, we, we did a tomato project and we had a hurricane come in from uh, Mozambique. It swept half of our Tomato plantings, I think seven and a half or eight hectares was gone. No, overnight. I mean, I laugh about it. It's, it's, <laughs> it happens, it happens. Like it, is, it doesn't help to cry about such things. It stripped off of our, our tomatoes away and we could not fulfill our contracts. You know, legalities after legalities. And, you know, you get on your knees and say, God, what the hell happened here? And there's absolutely a big fat zero you can do about such things. We fixed the ground, you know, we replanted. I think five hectares back on again, and we got an amazing crop, recovered our costs, and ended up being a very good story. At that time, I think I'm a show, we had around 40 permanent laborers on the farm, and at any go, when harvesting, we had 200 plus workers. That's really the vision, because you know, once you start feeding, you start taking care of the people in those communities where you're doing business, 
that's really the first prize because then you start seeing developments, you start seeing a window. I mean, windows sound simple, but there are people with houses without windows and that are struggling to put a window on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that 100 rand to pay that labor, 200 rand for the day, mm-hmm. or that guaza for the day, and they put up that window, they buy shoes. That's really what, what life ultimately and why I actually farm is to create change in my community and change people's lives. It's a much bigger impact. It's bigger than food security at the end of the day, I suppose. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm happy that you were able to bounce back because we definitely would not be talking to the Gene Lacanya today if you had not been able to bounce back. <laughs> Take me through your markets. What are your primary markets? What are your marketing channels? You know, Do you make use of farmers markets, online sales, wholesale, direct you know, to consumer? How do you operate in that regard? We're slightly a diversified business, but then I'll maybe focus mostly on crop on the production side. We, you know, the, the macadamias, for example, and the avocados, those are slightly more, they're the channels of marketing so that, you know, not every farmer must do what they want and as they wish. And that also just helps with balancing prices and, you know, getting premium through certain channels. So the macadamias, what we'll do is we'll probably harvest de-husk and dry the nuts ourselves, you know, we'll grade those and send them off to a pack house. A pack house then does the further marketing. I think that's the space we want to come in as ourselves. We will start cracking the nut, packaging, and we'll send to an exporter um, to do the exporting for us or to handle that functionality. So at the moment, we're not doing much of the marketing, but I think the dynamics are changing out there, Duncan. I'm seeing it day by day where a few years back, farmers were mostly interested in really, my job is to produce the pepper or to produce the avocado. After that full stop, I'm out. And it's not working anymore, Duncan. Farmers are the full scope of what you do. And the biggest pain today in a lot of farmers is the marketing side of the business. I think farmers, we neglected the farming and we depend on so highly on other people where you pay the school fees because, you know, when that person falls sick, your business falls sick. When yeah. the person goes out of business, you're also out of business. So it can't work for the dunk. I encourage farmers to seek alternative markets within the rules of any commodity with any product. Seek your own markets, you know, do your own deals. Whichever way to de-risk your business is one way which I would suggest that farmers look at it from that view. So traditionally, we're doing the pack house and then from pack house, they do the exporting. And you get a paid rand per kg for your product, dependent on quality and other factors. And in the bananas, reason why we did the bananas is, you know, it's a bucky market. And as well as area dependent, you know, our culture, a banana is a staple. So breakfast can be a banana, lunch can be a banana, dinner can be a banana because the stuff grows easily around us. So tend to focus a lot on the bucky market. And they are able to give us the cash that we need on a day-to-day basis to focus on the day-to-day running of our business. That's definitely smart. I'm wondering, you know, how do you price your product and what are the factors that influence your your pricing decisions? So much research that you need to do. You know, we sit in a lot of study groups, commodity study groups, be it macadamia, Evo. There's emails and information in nausea that comes through the emails through the different commodity groups. And Duncan, it sounds like it's a lot, but you have to read that stuff, scan the stuff, just do something about it, but just don't ignore those kind of things because there's a lot of critical information. When a banana prices change week in, week out, 
You know, you have to know all the pack houses. What are they selling for? Because if you come into high, the hawkers will simply just turn away and go get it with slightly 10, 15 rand cheaper. We're not fixing anything. Just know what the price or what the prevailing price is on a Sunday or Saturday evening to know that, listen, I need to position myself at this price. And these are my reasons. I've got better bananas, I've got bigger bananas, I've got juicier bananas, mine are this and mine are that. You have to have all the reasons why to put up the price for the banana. So it's all about the research and the market intelligence that as businessmen, uh, it's my job to do that. I just had a little laugh. Um, you just made me realize how often we ignore those emails coming through when they actually contain valuable, <laughs> important information to your business growth, right? Critical. <laughs> for farmers considering getting into the production of this commodity, for someone that's listening to this podcast, they might be already up and running or they might you know be considering starting what's your advice do your planning correctly agronomy is critical just like a young baby from the mother's womb there's certain things you need to feed the child at a certain time you need to give them that at a certain time there's immunization at a certain time they need to get that and that and that certain stages our trees are no different these are literally our livelihoods and our children. And they tell you, I'm hungry. They tell you, I've got too much of this. I've got too much of that. So learn and understand those trees. For the guys that are in already planting, the guys who've got orchards, guys, walk your lands, not your workers. When I've got the time, I put on my boots, I walk those lands because I get to understand intimately what is going on, what is the behavior of those trees, Am I getting the right results? Am I getting the wrong results? In those few words, Duncan, I'd, I'd really say, I think critically the planning, follow agronomy, do the right things at the right time. And it's all about the planning, Duncan. If that tree says, listen, I need a booster or I need a foliar by this date, or if that nut that is just set, it will tell you at this time, if you want me to grow, if you want me to give you the result, I need one, two, three, four, five. It's not two weeks later, it's not a month later. I need to be done within the next 48 hours. If you miss that window, Duncan, you're out of business. Next up, we have a question from Sanele Sitole, an aspiring avocado farmer based in Gauteng. Now, I've never heard of any avocado cultivation happening in Gauteng, but let's hear him out. We're also joined by commercial avocado farmer Emmanuel Maporogo, who answers our farmer question. Let's hear Sanele out. My name is Sanele Sitole. I'm an inspiring farmer based in Gauteng. I'd like to know, as a farmer, what avocado varieties are suitable for cultivation in Johannesburg? Also, are there any specific climate considerations for avocado farming in Gauteng? Hi. So avocado really requires a place where it's frost-free. They don't grow well where there is frost. So the Gauteng area, it's a bit cold for avos, for commercial farming, except in the north of Pretoria. So the varieties that are on the market, there is quite a few. It comes down to personal preference. However, the, the widely loved variety is the Haas variety because it's a hard-skinned dark skin and it lasts much longer on a shelf so the fruit will stay longer waiting to be consumed whereas other varieties which are green skinned and uh, soft skin 
such as Fuweti, Ryan, uh, Pinkertons, they get ripe quickly and they would not last as long as the house variety would last. So it depends whether the person who sent the voice note wishes to do commercial farming or just to grow a small scale. And if they really want to do avocado farming, I would recommend the house variety. Uh, you can share my contacts and if they need further engagement, I'm happy to do that. Well, there you have it. Join us again next week when we meet another seasoned steward of the earth, ready to guide the next generation of farmers. Don't miss out on the exclusive article covering this episode. Make sure you bookmark www.foodformzanzi.co.za to be the first to read it. To our amazing audience of farmers and agriculture enthusiasts, thank you for joining us and remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And that is, of course, so you never miss an episode. But for me, Duncan Masiwa, our technical producer, Megan van der Vind, and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, May your fields be fertile and your harvests bountiful.